This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 201, recorded Wednesday, February 18th, 2015. You really sold that 201. What's 201? It's not just episode 200. It's 201. It's true. Suck, you know, sucky episode 200 is... is... Well, 200 is the 199th... Well, no, it's it's the 200th episode. Real number system. Anyway, whatever. (laughs) 201 seems more real to me than 200 for some reason. It feels like we're starting over, and you may have noticed that 200 wasn't actually our last episode like we said it might be last uh, on Monday. Oh yeah, right. We forgot to not do this ever again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Here we are. We're doing it anyways. Um, but <laughs> out of th- habit more than anything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is what we do on Wednesday nights. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who sent us in a message or a call about our 200th episode. A number of people did that and we really cool. really appreciate it. Um, it's been fun. It's been a fun run and we got lots more in in us, so uh, we're going to keep going here starting with 201. It's like a fresh beginning. Fresh beginning. Yep. That's right. As opposed to a bitter end. That's true. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's start. We're going to do this, and uh, then you're going to tell me how awesome it is, okay? Uh, Okay. This comes from Emily in Minneapolis. You can't avoid it. What are we waiting for? We should both do it. At the same time, help each other. It's hard to do it. Nobody wants to, but we can do it so it's peaceful, easy, our choice, and then it would be over. Or we'll be forced to do it when the farm in this house is overrun. No one can protect us. Who? Glenn? I heard what happened. Rick will save his family. The others, too. We're alone. You, me, Patricia, with only Dad and Jimmy against this whole world of those things? I don't want to be gutted. I want to go. In this bed, tonight. With you beside me. Please. That was Emily in Minneapolis reading Beth's monologue from 18 miles out, way back when she was thinking about committing suicide. Mm-hmm. That was incredible. Pretty good, huh? That was, yeah, that was really neat. It was fascinating. It was uh, shocking. It was surprising, stunning, unbelievable, wonderful. You're, you're re- <laughs> you went to a thesaurus and looked up the word awesome, didn't you? <laughs> I sure did. I didn't want to say awesome, so I looked up some... Uh, I liked it. Very, very good. The thing about that is someone could have told me that that was actually um, Emily Kinney reading that. And and I wouldn't believe them. And, you know, the person's name is Emily. (laughs) So maybe it is her. Well, that'd be awesome. That'd be pretty weird. I mean, she did a great job. She did a great job on the show. Sounded just like her. Sounded just like her. So if that was you, Emily Kinney, you sound just like yourself. But Emily in Minneapolis. Fantastic work. 
Yeah, that was uh, that was bang up. That was capital. That was excellent. Fine. That was fly. It was whiz bang. <laughs> First rate. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Wit. I can even this thesaurus whiz open. Bang. <laughs> whiz, whiz bang. Whiz bang job. Uh, all right. If you want to send in a uh, entry in our contest, get a friend together or yourself, record a scene from any episode of The Walking Dead, send it to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com and uh, you could win a big fancy prize at the end of season five okay also i want to talk about the ratings a little bit before we move on into feedback this week haven't done our ratings or the show's we don't have ratings nobody rates us i i rate us a1 a1 actually the only (laughs) how many more of those do you have aces astounding (laughs) astonishing cool a doozy fab fantastic thank you um jason's discovered the thesaurus everybody (laughs) so i haven't talked about the ratings in the last two episodes yet but i can tell you that season five episode nine what happened and what's going on had 15.64 million viewers in the 18 to 24 demographic not bad not bad now episode 10 from sunday night significant decrease 22 percent drop which wow. is one of the largest, if not the largest, drops in ratings from one episode to the next. They had 12.3 million, and uh, that's actually kind of low re- lately for The Walking Dead, although it's still incredible by most TV show standards. So, okay, so 20% is like, okay, you, your wife, me, wife, my wife, and friend of the show, Dave, we all watch the show, and then Dave stops watching. That's right. That's that's incredible. Isn't that incredible? That I mean, we don't yeah. want that to happen at all. <laughs> no. No, that's that's nuts. Um, but there is a reason. There is a reason. The, the, the Walking Dead had some stiff, unusual competition on Sunday night. Uh, was it... Uh, did uh, What's that name of that show? Saturday Night Live. Oh. Saturday Night Live's 40th anniversary aired Sunday night. And do uh, that will do it. Yeah, it... I thought maybe Baywatch came back on the air. No, it's not Baywatch. It's not Baywatch. That might have done it as well, but uh, definitely wasn't that this week. Man, if Hasselhoff came back to TV, that'd be it. All other shows would have to quit. They just have to say, forget it, we're done, the Hoff is on. The Hoff is back, we can't compete no. with that. Uh, but it wasn't that, so hopefully that doesn't happen. It was Saturday Night Live. I don't, I don't have the ratings for that, but they were pretty good. And uh, I hear that show was pretty entertaining, too, so... Yeah, I'm sorry I missed it. I was uh, I heard about it too, and I thought uh, that would be an excellent thing to have watched. So as far as The Walking Dead goes, I expect it to rebound next week when it only has its regular competition, which isn't even football anymore because football's done for the year, right? Okay, just for the year. Though. Uh, yeah, I don't think forever. <laughs> the Super Bowl was a couple of weeks ago, so... Uh, right, okay. Well, you said football was done. I didn't know. I don't follow sports. Maybe they quit. Uh, <laughs> that's it. We're done. Too many controversies in the NFL. We're just going to shut it all down. Shut her down. Uh, So, yeah, Walking Dead should be back, you know, performing well next week. Uh, But we'll see. I mean, the problem is if people miss an episode, there's probably a big bunch of people that are like, oh, I missed one. I'm not going to bother anymore. So we'll see what happens. Well, I don't think, you know, I don't think Dave would do that. No, he's probably back on board. Not one in five people are going to go, whatever. You know, I missed an episode. Screw it. (laughs) I'm not going back. Uh, yeah, maybe. Well, I hope not. I hope not. We'll see. We'll see if it gets back up to the 14 or 15 million range where yeah. where it should be. Maybe by the finale. 
by the finale, I'm sure we'll be back up to normal. Oh, easily, easily. The finale will probably break new records the way this show goes. All right. Um, I just want to remind everyone that this podcast is entirely supported by listeners. If you want to find out how you can throw a helping hand our way, go to patreon.com slash the talking dead and find out how you can help support us. I just want to remind everyone before we get into this, the listener feedback for this week. Here we go. Listener feedback. Alrighty, so this episode was a little bit uh, divisive or polarizing. Some people really liked it. Some people didn't like it too much. And we're going to start here with a rather short but sweet and negative kind of email from Lindsay in the UK. Lindsay says, I've still got 15 minutes left and I'm tempted to turn it off. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts. It's bad news when you look forward to the podcast discussing the show more than the actual show itself. Wow. And that was written during the actual episode, Yeah, I assume. So, I mean, maybe the last 15 minutes really brought it home for her. I don't know. She didn't send a follow-up. But unfortunately, Lindsay did not enjoy this week's episode, it sounds like. That's too bad. Well, you know, hopefully the last... Yeah, I hope, too, that the last 15 minutes uh, really, you know, bounded back and caught your attention. It I, it might have. I mean, last 15 minutes, we're talking about the, the storm, basically, Yep. And, and, um, you know, Maggie and Sasha's emerging, emerging into the new dawn and, and then, uh, Aaron mystery man showing up. So there was a lot of, a lot of excitement there in the last bit of that episode. So maybe it, right. uh, maybe they stuck the landing and Lindsay's still on board. If not, she might be the one in five people that turns it off next week. Oh, it's Lindsay that stopped watching. Damn you, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next we have an email from Angie in Birmingham. Uh, this is the sort of episode they do best. Uh, used to cast as an ensemble. It was like uh, Cormac McCarthy's uh, The Road. Bleak, desperate, just perfect. The barn surviving the storm was a little cheesy, but I guess that's the benefit of having a preacher with you. Uh, Aaron's introduction at the end was perfect, uh, very similar to his introduction in the comic, only with different characters. Loved it much, much better than the last four episodes. So there's the other side of the coin. Our, Our friend Angie and... Birmingham really, really liked this episode, and I don't think she was too keen on the the one before it. No, it doesn't sound like it. So uh, that's what I mean. Like, some people like this one, some people didn't, but it comes down to taste, I guess. And, you know, this episode was a lot of walking, a lot of talking, um, whereas the other one was a weird sort of fever dream and stuff like that. So yep. we've had two episodes that are in a row that are a little atypical for the show, I think. So you're going to get people who are like, what's going on? I don't like this. Or, or what's going on? I love this, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, next is Steve on the internet. And Steve writes, so a tree or two falls and walkers be damned. One minute the survivors are pushing back against the zombies. Uh, the next scene, it's the morning and somehow a tree dropped on the walkers. Anyone else find this a little jarring? A tad too convenient. Overall, I love the tone of this week's episode. The scene of Daryl looking out during the storm to see dozens of walkers approach was truly unnerving and freaky. Yeah, I think it's the preacher. The preacher called down divine intervention. We have a you know a horde of zombies coming through, and uh, you know he he uh, summoned his deity and said, uh, "Dude, can you do something about this?" And dude's like, "Yeah, no problem." And just takes care of it. <laughs> sure. I'll just uh, send a tornado down. It will conveniently destroy all the trees and the zombies. I'll hang a few up high in trees, and you guys will be just fine. Yeah. Divine Intervention is a very, very high cleric spell, by the way. I imagine it is. Very powerful. 
and you can only use it once in your life. Like, that's it. His divine intervention is done. He can never use that again. Is that a D&D thing? It is a D&D thing. Um, and that's true. You can only use divine intervention one time. At the time that I was uh, aware of that, I, you know, the rules may have changed since then. They may not even have that uh, that spell anymore. But uh, at the time, yeah, divine intervention. It was a very high-level spell. God comes down. You just go... Dude, help out here. He's like, yeah, all right. But that's it. You're cut off after that. You're cut off. <laughs> and I'll hit you in the microphone for that. Yeah, right in the mic. Um, but that makes sense, though. I mean, if you're going to ask God for help, if you could do that like every time something went wrong, it, there's really no stakes anymore because, you know, it's God. He can do He's he can do anything. Yeah. He can get you out of any sticky situation. Yeah, that's true. And probably has a really good thesaurus. Uh, probably does, you know, and access to it. He probably has minions that, uh, you know, constantly research thesaurized words and feed it to him on a constant rate. Speaking of God, did you know, do you remember God appearing on The Simpsons? Yeah. Homer it was, asked uh, James Earl Jones, wasn't he? Uh, that I don't think is correct, but you may be right. I don't know. But Homer asks him, what's the meaning of life? And he says, you have to wait until you're dead. And Homer says, oh, I can't wait that long. And God says, you have, you can't wait six months. You can't wait six months. You know what I, you know what I recently discovered about that scene? What? God is the only character on that show that has appeared that has five fingers. The Simpsons all have four. Right, (laughs) right, right, right. I remember that. So that's, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I'm bringing that up, but it came into my brain. Did you ever notice that all our Simpsons references are from the early 90s? Well, that's because we haven't, or at least I haven't watched The Simpsons since the mid-90s at latest. I haven't watched it in 15 years. And it's still going. <laughs> it's still going. I don't 26 even, seasons. I don't even know what it's like anymore, but I the first half of the run, basically, there were some classics in there. Oh, yeah. Classics. All right, so back to uh, feedback on The Simpsons. We have uh, Rosalinda in Oregon. Hey, guys, I anticipate that a lot of people are not going to like this episode because it did feel kind of slow, and it was depressing. I understand that. I wouldn't want to have a lot of episodes like this, but I think this one was necessary. It was the connective tissue needed to tell a well-balanced story. We need to see the group struggling with basic day-to-day survival. We need to stop and mourn the deaths of three significant characters in, what, the last 18 days? Uh, We can't just blow by these losses. Uh, Stopping to really feel the pain reinforces the significance of human life. It keeps them human. Rosalinda, well said and absolutely correct, I think. Yeah. You know, I mean... It does feel like stuff happens really quickly on this show sometimes, and someone dies and they just have to move right on. Now, sometimes that's because of circumstances, right? Like they're stuck in a train car and they have to fight their way out and they just don't have time to worry about who's dead and who's alive. Right. So Maggie thought that Beth was dead and she was all, meh, but then she, you know, came back and then she died for real and now she's very upset. Right. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I still have issues with the way that was, that was handled, but, um... At the same time, it's all within such a short period, right? We You forget sometimes that time doesn't pass very very quickly on this show unless there's a time jump between, you know, breaks or whatever. But sometimes right. it's like in a matter of two days, there a lot of crap happens. It's true. Anyways, thank you, Rosalinda. Emily in New Zealand, um, she started off with kind of letting us know how she didn't like episode nine, but then continues on a more positive note. I loved the episode Them. 
I thought the pace was good, and I thought so much happened. We had a great exchange between Carol and Daryl. We saw Maggie actually care about her sister. Michonne was generally badass. And God wasn't little Judith the absolute cutest thing when she was sitting there in Rick's arms when everyone was asleep. Yep. She really was. I noticed it too. I, I don't know if this is a new baby or if it's the same babies that are just, you know, a little bit older now. Oh, Chris, all babies are new. I mean, new to the show. <laughs> right. Okay. Not new to life or this it's a, world. It's a really old baby. <laughs> that is the old. I've seen some old looking babies. Yeah. And I also, I know some people that are pretty old and still basically babies. We're all just kids. Some of us just fake it better, man. Yeah. That's something else I heard somewhere recently. Um, but no, I don't know if the the actress that, or actresses they have playing Judith have changed uh, recently, but they have gone through a few different sets of twins, or if the set of twins they're using now is just, you know, six months older and really filling out and coming, in, coming into their own. But that is a cute-looking little kid, I'll tell you. Right. Good casting, if you were going for cute kid. If you're going for cute baby, that works. Holy moly. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place today. But you know what else? Watching season, what was it? The last season of Homeland? There was a baby on that show. Man, oh man, did they ever cast that baby well because it looked exactly like the actor who plays its father. It was really good. (laughs) Really crazy. All right. That's enough. All right. So next week, I have an email uh, from Andy in England. Uh, love how it showed that the group are more than capable capable of dispatching zombies easily now. You have to remember that the fact zombies never tire or need to sleep, eat, drink, or are affected by heat or cold makes them still a valid threat. Also, or is it just me or is Judas being alive and seemingly well getting a bit ridiculous and annoying? <laughs> well, Judith, yeah. She's always kind of there, even though you don't see her all that much, but she's always around. And I have a feeling what's going to happen is the group is going, something's going to happen and they're going to get somewhere and they're going to be able to say that, you know, Judith is with somebody, always with somebody else. And she's not really going to be as big a part of the show anymore. Right. For a little while anyway. For a little while. Yeah. I mean, I have a feeling the the group isn't going to be on the road for forever. And she has to be with them when they're on the road. But let's say they find somewhere to stay for a while. You can be like, oh, Judith's in the bed sleeping or the crib sleeping or someone else yeah. has got her or whatever, right? Yeah, it's like everybody loves Raymond. It's not, that show wasn't about the kids. So the kids disappeared for long stretches at a time. You just, well, so I, I've heard. Okay, good. Because <laughs> that show wasn't allowed in my house. I've only seen parts of episodes here or there when it was on in syndication. I haven't seen it in a long time. I used to yell at the TV if it if I accidentally walked away and the time slot changed and everybody was Raymond. Uh, everybody loves Raymond came on the air like get out of my house, leave now. Yeah, but uh, I've heard that that the uh, the kids were a secondary aspect in that show, so that then uh, they disappeared for long stretches of time. Or else, because you know when you have young kids, your whole life is about those kids, and if you have a show with young kids. If it was, if you're going for realism, the whole show would be about those kids. Uh, my whole life is about my kids. Well, there you go. Yeah. You know? And they're young. They're always around, too. Can't get rid of those guys. Crazy. Uh, what about Andy's point um, about reminding us that the zombies are still actually a threat? Do you ever worry that the zombies will become too much of sort of the background of the show? No, because they're always, you know, it's the. Uh, it's the inevitable 
death of everybody that these zombies represent, right? It's the uh, it's the unyielding march of death that's coming for you. It's always coming for you. Sometimes you're you're getting away from it and everything's fine, but sometimes it's close and imminent, and sometimes uh, it's close and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Right, so uh, I think that the the zombies will always be a threat, and they'll get somebody every now and again, because uh, you know everybody dies eventually. Yeah, I I wouldn't want this. I wouldn't want them to to have to not worry about the zombies ever. I mean, at its core, this is a zombie apocalypse show, and I know it's about the living and so on, but you don't want it to get too far away from its roots. If you know what I mean. Yeah, right. That's true. Zombies are there. They should be able to kill you. Whenever, yes. whenever they want. All right. Kara on the internet writes, uh, regarding Undead Grandma, she says, oh my God, you solved it. She went back to kill the Granny Walker because of Beth. Beth was kidnapped in a car. Maggie thought, I have to because I would have wanted someone to do that for Beth. I, You know, frankly, I can't believe we didn't put two and two together on Monday. But yes, yeah. Beth was taken in a car. Maggie finds this woman who's kidnapped in a car and uh, all the emotion comes pouring out. Yeah, absolutely. That makes much more sense than uh, Undead Grandma. <laughs> it does. Although I like Undead Grandma. That's, yeah. you know, she's still awesome. <laughs> all right, next we have an email from Katie in the UK. Man, this week's episode made me feel depressed, but in a good way, if that makes any sense. Uh, I know the group has struggled in the past, and they have been through a lot of crap, but in this week's episode, I truly felt that they'd hit rock bottom. No food, no water, and they were eating worms. They didn't even fry them. Uh, but towards the end of the episode, it felt a bit brighter, especially when the whole group banded together to keep the walkers out of the barn. To me, that will go down as one of the most epic moments of the show. Yeah, it was a good one. And let's move right along here. We had the next three emails are all about the barn, and they're kind of long. So um, different theories and different interpretations or just different ideas about it. First of all, we've got... Wendy on the internet, she writes, I had another thought about the barn scene. The whole group had been very at odds throughout the whole episode. Lots of tension and apartness. Even Glenn and Maggie seemed very distant with each other. I love the scene of how one by one they came together to hold the barn doors closed in unity. It showed even it showed how even though times are hard and even though they are all worn down and ready to give up, they can come together as a team when it counts. They still have each other's backs when they need to and are still unified. Cool scene, cool metaphor. Right. So we should just jump right into the next one? Why not? All right. So Patrick crossed the border in Buffalo, New York. Hey, guys. I just thought I'd uh, – just a thought on the barn door scene. I do not think that it was a dream, but I also don't think that there were actual zombies outside the door. I believe that you only saw the zombies one time from Daryl's point of view. You don't see hands or faces during the quick camera work. Any other time in this series where people are holding a door with zombies on the opposing side, it never holds. And you're right. They would not have had everyone trying to hold it. Hell, Carl just leaves Judith on the ground. I don't think the threat was zombies. I think they were holding the door because the tornado was passing by. You're also right that the storm serves as a great metaphor for the undead storm that they're normally in. Uh, It's cool to me that they have uh, better chances holding off a natural disaster than they do the walking dead really proves the power that these creatures can possess. Right. So that's a couple of good uh, good points there. I mean, it's a metaphor. It really happened, but it wasn't actually zombies. Now, regarding whether anyone else saw the zombies, I went and watched it a couple times, and 
it's it could easily be argued that the zombies are really only there from Daryl's point of view. Uh, even when everyone else is crowding the door, there are quick scenes where you can see like hands outside the door and stuff like that. There's never a clear straight shot between the doors where you see the zombies other than the uh, the first one where Daryl sees them initially. So, right. you know, I think maybe he gets up, looks out, out the door, sees like a tornado maybe, you know, spinning outside and he's like, oh my God, I better shut these doors. And it's just kind of interpreted or in his mind as a big crowd of zombies. So... Well, I think that would have worked better. You know, I like that idea that uh, holding off the impending storm, uh, I think that could have worked on a metaphorical level and a a real level as well. Mm -hmm. But they chose to go a different way, which was confusing. It was, but like I said, I I think they did a fine job, actually, other than the slight lack of realism. Jessica in Long Island writes... I think that while the Walker attack was a metaphor for the brutality of the world, it also stood for Maggie, Sasha's, and Daryl's grief. Daryl is the first to notice the Walkers and attempt to close the door, uh, attempt to keep the door closed from their onslaught. Then Sasha and Maggie join him. However, it's only once the whole group comes together that they are able to hold off the attack. I read it as a metaphor for relying on others to help you through emotional as well as the physical trials of survival. I also think this is the reason why Maggie and Sasha leave the barn and watch the sunrise. The implication there seems to be that they have moved out of their emotionally dark spaces. Daryl's emotional state at the end of the episode, however, is a bit more ambiguous. Right. Right. So I think Jessica, Patrick, and Wendy all have really good interpretations of the scene. And I kind of like, I kind of like it how, you know, it. they left it open. They left it up to the the viewer to sort of take what they want from it or get what they feel like they should out of it. And uh, sometimes this show, when I think about it, doesn't really do that. You know what I mean? No. Well, the, the Walking- Maybe you could spell it out just a little bit more for me. <laughs> the, I feel like The Walking Dead kind of puts everything out on a platter for you. It's like, here's what's going on. We're not going to really, we're not going to really, you know, leave too much for the viewer interpretation, you know? Right. But in this case, they really did. They really did. You know? So I, I like that. It's okay. And I'm glad that everyone can have kind of different feelings on it and, and uh, you know, take what they want. Right. So well done, Walking Dead, and the director, <laughs> whoever directed this one, and the writer. Unfortunately, I don't know those names right now. Good work. <laughs> I choose to believe it was M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, you're probably wrong. <laughs> probably wrong. All right. We have a call from Nor- Nora in Raleigh, North Carolina, on the religiosity of this uh, episode. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hi, I'm Nora from Raleigh, North Carolina, and I wanted to bring up the fact that um, you guys said that a metaphor uh, or a dream sequence, but I was picking up a major religious tone in this episode. Um, When the rain came, the pastor or the priest um, repented, and, um, you know, they they had hit rock bottom, and a lot of times when religious people hit rock bottom in their life, God has a tendency to reach out to them to show them that it's okay. Um, and I know the show has, you know, had some religious hints here and there. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to point that out because um, a tornado saving them, uh, that's, that is a higher power. That, that's what I got from that. 
Uh, I love the podcast. I listen to it while I clean my house. <laughs> so thank you guys. And uh, yeah. Great. Thanks, Nora. Um, and uh, I'm glad we provide some company while you clean your house. I wish uh, I wish somebody would listen to this podcast while they were cleaning my house. <laughs> your wife. No. She doesn't. Well, she wouldn't listen to the podcast. She doesn't. She doesn't listen to the podcast in general. There you go. Neither does she's mine. Got, she got audio books. She's. I got her on Audible now, so uh, she listens to books. Okay. Well, that's good. Uh, you could listen to it while you clean your house. Ah, screw that. I listen to books too. Why would I listen to this podcast? <laughs> You're I here barely all... listen while I'm talking. You're here all the time anyway. Uh, thanks, Nora, for the uh, for that uh, call. The next one here on a similar topic comes from Tony, and I'll let her let you know where she's from. Hi, guys. This is Tony calling from somewhere on the road, California. Um, I actually had two thoughts in regards to the, um, the podcast yesterday, and, and the first was to do with um, uh, Gabriel. Yes, the priest. Um, he actually had a, a, an extensive, um, not an extensive, but he had a conversation with Maggie, and uh, she said that her father was religious, and she used to be, and he paused, and then that rolled into the scene with him actually burning his collar. And actually what he said when it started to rain was, I'm sorry, God. He didn't thank God. He had given up on God by throwing away his collar, and then, he, and then, it, and then God brought rain, and he said, I'm sorry, God. So he, was, he, was, uh, he wasn't denouncing his religion. He was kind of reaffirming it, is what, uh, is what Tony is saying. Right. So right. that that kind of makes sense, you know. He's got to step back from it, uh, to for whatever, you know. I guess he feels so guilty that he feels like he's got to step back from it, and he feels uh, he's sorry for that. Yeah. Um. I. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a religious person, so I don't have the same kind of thoughts on how you would how you would take a step back or what it, what it would take to get someone to to, you know, renounce their, their feelings or whatever, but, um, kind of what I, you know, it, it works for me. He, he, he decided to take that step and he was burning his collar and then the rain came and to him, that was a sign that I guess everything's going to be okay. Right. You know, I, I suppose that's an overly simplified way of putting it, but you know, I mean, that's kind of, kind of what I took from it. Right, and then he called down God's wrath to save them from the zombies. That's right. He came back to God and then asked for a tornado. Right. Okay. All right, next we have an email from Floyd in Lancaster, Ohio. I completely agree with your assessment of the episode having major religious overtones. I mean, they are not weary travelers making a leap of faith journey to the capital city, and they are not in some ways reborn a lowly in a lowly barn or manger. Uh, finally, maybe I'm stretching here, but I think about the final scene where you read uh, where you read this, Luke two uh, verses nine and ten. Oh my goodness! Okay, here we go. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. But the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Um. Okay. Yes. So. You're, <laughs> I, I I don't want to do this, but your your reading of that email was was not your best. I, I no, apologize I just, for I, saying that. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I, what I what I wanted to get across is uh, Floyd was saying, are they not? He's comparing the group to 
um, you know, religious stories. And he says, are they not weary travelers oh, making a leap, that of, makes much more leap of faith journey? And are they not in some ways reborn in a lowly barn or a manger? So he's comparing right. them. And then obviously that passage from Luke at the end is um, sort of describing Aaron. Right. Right. Aaron shows up and, uh, you know, they were afraid. The angel said unto them, fear not, I bring you good tidings of great joy. He did even say, I, I have good news and I'm a friend. That's true. And uh, so it's it's appropriate. I think it works. Yep. How many words for th- in the thesaurus can you find for appropriate? Appropriate? Well, I'll look it up and you uh, you continue on with <laughs> All right. Well, Aaron in Syracuse, New York writes, I just wanted to share a thought that popped into my head while watching the scene where Gabe throws his clerical collar into the fire. There's no more appropriate time to re-examine your faith than when you're munching barbecued dog to keep from starving to death. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> appropriate. Unless you're munching barbecued parishioner. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So, I guess. Uh, a lot of people had problems with them eating the dogs. Really? Yeah. I mean, I think we have another e- another email about it down the down the list here a little bit. But a few people wrote in and, you know, said, I can't believe they ate dogs. I would never do that. I'm like, but sure you would. I mean, if you're starving, you're not yeah. going to eat a person before you eat a dog. Or, I mean. If I was starving, I'd eat a dog. I'd eat a cat. I'd eat a horse. I'd eat a raccoon. I would eat. Uh, I would eat squirrels. Anything that came along. I mean, you're starving. It's. it's I would either, eat worms. It's either die of starvation or eat a dog. You're gonna eat the dog, right? I don't I know eat you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you would. I bet I'd be tasty. A little bit of barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce on anything is good. Cook you right up. All right. Next, we have uh, Chris from the Curioso podcast. After Sasha cut Abraham at the bridge, he started drinking that pint bottle. Obviously, the alcohol in the system suppressed the infection. The whole episode, I screamed at the screen for him to pour some on his arm. Do you think that would help disinfect the wound location with a little alcohol? Not even a little bit. No, I don't think so either. Um, and I don't know if this is a a, a world or a uh, North American-wide thing, but here where we are from, that kind of liquor bottle is called a Mickey. A Mickey, yeah, a Mickey. No, of... I don't. I don't think that's localized to to where we are. Is it not? It might be Canadian, though. I'm not sure. Someone in the U.S. Let us know if if you call that size and shape of a of a liquor bottle a Mickey. You can get like a Mickey of vodka or a Mickey of rum. Well, we don't have pints up here, right? Well, we do have pints, but uh, it's not a unit of measure that we use on a regular basis. We have liters, yes, or half so, liter, or a half liter, but. Uh, we do, we do use pints, like go for a pint of beer. I mean, come on. You don't walk into a pub and say, I'd like a half liter of beer, please. I would like one boot full of beer, please. <laughs> like that glass boot that they have in uh, German restaurants? Yes. German I've, bars? I've What's had, that boot called? I don't know. A boot. Glass I don't boot? I don't speak German. Um, in in Europe, though, they, they, they fully are on board with the metric system, and they order things in half liter. You, right. you can order a half liter of beer where I've been in Europe. Anyways... Um, yeah, I don't think sterilizing that wound with some, some booze would have done anything. No, because it's a viral infection and yeah, I I really don't think it would do anything. All right. Rebecca in Lancashire, a few months back, you were discussing how you wouldn't sleep on the train tracks en route to Terminus as what? 
Damn right. Yes, as it's just programmed into you. I cannot be the only one, oh, here it is, that would not eat a dog regardless of how hungry I am. Don't get me wrong. Those dogs would have done more damage to them. But really, eating Fido? Come on, people, there's limits. I'd take Daryl's worm, not a euphemism, any day over a dog. (laughs) (laughs) I'd take Daryl's worm, which is a euphemism, any day over eating a dog. No, I don't know. (laughs) Well, yeah. You know, I can see, I would, you know, as a general rule, I would eat eat a dog. But uh, a Canadian beagle just won best in show at the... uh, uh, at Westminster, mm-hmm. and that that little dog is cute as hell. Did you see that? You watched, it was all over the news today. I saw so, a picture of the dog. Yeah, it, that is one cute damn dog. Sure, but and I don't know if I would like you know come here, poochie, 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 and then barbecue it up. I'm telling you, I don't know. If, I don't know if I could do that in life or death. I'd eat the prize winning dog. Would you? Yeah. If I'm telling you, if there was, if I was gonna die of starvation, I'd eat the dog. So you get a bandolier of chihuahuas, totally, like the, like the squirrels, and then you cook them up and have them, uh, you know, chihuahua popcorn kind of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's all you get out of each one—a a little, <laughs> a little popcorn ball of chihuahua. Right. Um, Canadian beagle or Canadian bagel? I would eat them just the same. That'd be good. Yes, it would. Yummy, or yummy. Even a Canadian pizza. Sure, I'd eat that too. But pizza's hard to come by in the zombie apocalypse. It is. You don't really stumble across a uh, pack of wild pizzas coming out of the woods. <laughs> no, it's it's unlikely. I mean, if it happens, you're pretty lucky, but it's unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, where are we? We're at uh, Leslie, a.k.a. The Zombie Gardener on the internet. I know the show is, of course, written the way it is for a reason, but doesn't anyone have a map? Maps will show the nearest bodies of water, ponds, lake, etc., uh, that could come in useful... And should I ever find myself uh, in this sort of situation, I would be raiding every glove box until I found one. Uh, but I know we need to see everyone downridden and in dire need of water, but maybe in the future someone will pick one up. You know, that's a good point. Having that's a, a really good point. Having a map, especially when they're 500 miles from anywhere that they're familiar with, really. And every car will have a map. My car has a map in it, mm-hmm. at least one, probably like six. Even in this day and age... Of of uh, GPS and cell phones and everything, you still have maps. Yeah, yeah. I probably, to be honest, there's probably a map in my glove box too, but I haven't used it in a long. Just time. Just an Ontario map, right. right? That just shows the 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 highways. Yeah, like that's good enough. Yeah, yeah. That's. I've got uh, I've got uh, uh, topographical maps of uh, the whole area in my uh, in my filing cabinet over there. Mm-hmm. I've even got uh, nautical charts of the uh, of the water systems around here. In case you ever need to hop in your houseboat and go for a ride. Well, no, I got them for uh, for kayaking. Well, see, that makes sense. Makes yeah. sense right there. Um, yeah, well, I'd grab maps from cars. It certainly couldn't hurt. Uh, when if you go to a hundred cars, if you break into a hundred cars and look in the glove boxes and the trunks and in the little sleeves behind the seats, uh, you know how many of those cars are going to have maps? Ninety nine. Ninety, at least ninety. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, they should have a damn map, and the damn maps should have a, hey, look, there's a friggin' lake over there. We should go to the friggin' lake and get a friggin' drink. Agreed. Agreed. It, it totally makes sense, but, you know, they got to show them all downtrodden, as Leslie said. So, right. no maps for them. Maybe the maps don't work because they've been uh, teleported to a different dimension. Maybe this isn't Earth. Maybe it's just it's just an Earth-like setting. That is your dumbest theory yet. <laughs> 
Are you sure? It <laughs> uh, doesn't sound like the dumbest theory to me. Well, it didn't involve the lich or the dinosaurs, so maybe not. Although I like the lich. The lich is controlling everything. He took all the maps. That's where the maps are. <laughs> yeah. Made a big bonfire of maps. Joseph in Banbury, UK. Wow. When the zombie tries to bite Rick's arm, did you see very briefly the scalp and face of the zombie stretch back as Daryl pulls it away from Rick? Beautifully disgusting. Did not notice that. I did not notice that either, but I'm totally going to go back and check it out um, because Daryl scalped a zombie, which is pretty awesome. I guess that skin was not hanging on by much anymore. Gross. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, next, uh, Clyde in Maryland. Your conversation about the plans in them reminded me of the great Mike Tyson quote, everyone has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. Yeah, what was your quote about the military? Uh, a plan does not survive contact, contact with the enemy. Right. So it's kind of the same quote, just from a, a boxing perspective. Yeah, and if I, if I had a plan and Mike Tyson hit me in the mouth, I, I would die. <laughs> like, I, I'm not even going to kid anything. I would probably fall down dead. Well, I mean, if that has nothing to do with you having a plan, but yeah. Yeah, Mike, whatever the plan is, I'm dead. It doesn't matter what the plan is. <laughs> Mike Tyson can punch pretty hard. It's like a freight train. You ever watch that guy box? Not really. I mean, I have seen him box, but not very much. Oh, go to YouTube and uh, look up Mike Tyson uh, in his 20s. My, my God, it's it's really, he does hit people like a freight train. Like, he's like a one-round, one-punch kind of knockout guy, eh? Yeah. You, you know, try and fight a train. Like, you could be in the best shape of your life and put on boxing gloves, gloves and stand on the tracks, and that train's coming at you, and you take a swing. You can swing all you want at the train. That train's going to knock you on your ass. Uh, more than that, probably, yeah. You could <laughs> yeah. build a giant suit, probably, and be like, you know, real-world Iron Man, stand there and put on boxing like, gloves, and that like train... Like that guy with the bear suit? Yeah, he could, he could, he'd still get demolished by a train. I'd, f- I'd fight Mike Tyson with that bear suit. I don't know. Okay, what about one of those inflatable like sumo wrestler suits that they sometimes have at at uh, silly sporting events? Uh, my face is still exposed. Yeah, I guess so. And <laughs> he's he, got some reach too. He could probably just punch right through that thing, anyways. Yeah, he, yeah. You know, I, I, and even even then, when Mike Tyson was uh, actually fighting and stuff, I I thought about it because uh, you know when Mike Tyson fights. No, it doesn't matter who he's fighting. Uh, he makes like what fifty million dollars for getting into the ring, and the loser of the boxing match makes like twelve to fifteen million dollars. I'd still probably get in the ring. You know, if somebody would pay me fifteen million dollars to get in front of Mike Tyson for the half a second it takes for him to hit me, I might do it. So fifteen million dollars to take one punch from Mike Tyson and go down. Right, because that's that's entirely what it would amount to. Because there's no way I'm getting back up, but it, b- before a count of ten. But if you're if he, dead, what are you gonna do with that fifteen million dollars? Uh, I would I would have to pray to God and think that Mike Tyson would pull his punch if he was looking at me on the other end of a ring. Like, there's no way he needs to put all his power into hitting me. So I just I would trust that he would pull his punch enough not to kill me. There's a whole market here. Like regular guy fights professional boxer. They should, someone should start this up. I mean, I don't think the matches would last very long, but I bet you people'd watch. Didn't they do this on Jackass? I don't know. I never watched probably did. any of that. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, really? I guess so. I mean, they ride shopping carts down 
you know, streets at 800 miles an hour. Why not get in the ring with Mike Tyson? Right. I did see one time Johnny Knoxville get shot with uh, a little, like a sandbag bullet, kind of. Right. I don't know what the use of that thing is. Maybe like a suppression type thing or something, but he got shot in the abdomen with it. That did not look fun. I read somewhere the other day that uh, Johnny Knoxville is the result of, uh, and I quote, significant inbreeding. God. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I don't know. Man, we are all over the place. Yeah, uh, let, okay. Let's get back here to a call from Diana in Koreatown, Los Angeles, and she just kind of had a random thought about Glenn. So uh, here we go. Hi, uh, this is Diana from Koreatown, Los Angeles, California. And it just occurs to me, I'm mid-watching episode on iTunes, uh, which is normally how one of you watches it, but not last week or the week before or whatever it was. Anyway, I just wanted to say that it just occurs to me, we don't know anything about Glenn's backstory. And it worries me that the minute we start learning Glenn's Backstory is when we're going to lose Steven Yun. And I don't want to lose Steven Yun. But anyway, I love the podcast from the beginning and beyond. And thank you, guys. Okay, bye, Jason and Chris. Bye. From the beginning and beyond. She loves yeah. the podcast. Thank you, Diana. What do we know about Glenn? Glenn's backstory, Jason? Didn't he deliver pizzas? I believe we know that. I believe he delivered pizzas in Atlanta before this happened. Okay, good, because I, I was my fear was that I was confusing that with Fry on Futurama, because I think he delivered pizzas too. He did. He delivered pizzas. <laughs> that is true. Pizza delivery okay. boy. Um, and that was that was his calling. That was his destiny, apparently. That was his, that was his yeah, his all, ideal job was delivery boy. Yes, I like Futurama. That's a good show. But back yeah. to Glenn. Um, we know he delivered pizzas, but we don't know much. Is that in the TV show or in the comic? Well, I know it's in the comic, and I have a feeling it's in the TV show. I think they I think they mentioned that at some point in the TV show, but it was a long time ago. I he could know. be an undercover cop. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. Well, that's why he's such a good undercover cop, because it's ridiculous. He's an American ninja. You'd never, Probably. you'd never know it. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if backstory, though, is what triggers a character's death. It's like brought to the forefront and given their hero moment is typically what, what brings on the death. Because um, we had Abraham's backstory and he didn't die. Yeah, that's right. We, we've had more backstory for Abraham than we have had for Glenn, which is crazy because Abe's only been around for like a season. Right. Um, he's not dead yet. Tyrese, well, we we kind of got that all all at once in that episode. Um, Michonne, we got a lot of Michonne background. Yeah, we've got tons. We've got, we even had flashbacks pre-apocalypse with Michonne, and she's still around. So I don't know if backstory is really what triggers it. Hero episode, maybe a little bit more. It certainly happened that way with uh, Herschel. But yeah, I don't want to see Glenn die either. Um, so, you know... We know if we get an episode that's all about Glenn or all about his relationship with Maggie, which, you know, this episode was significantly about Maggie, and that in, that affects Glenn a little bit. So maybe one of them are on their way out. Let's hope not. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I've got a new fear of the show now. A new fear? So, yeah, new fear. As soon as we start getting a, uh, a Glenn backstory-laden uh, episode, I fear he'll die. 
Well, I hope not. Glenn is, uh, he's one of my favorite characters. He's beloved. Except you know what? I could say that about any of the main group. I don't like seeing people die. I don't want to see them die. But I know it would be silly if nobody ever died on this show because there are flesh-eating monsters running around all over the place. That's right. So, we, yeah, I don't want anybody to die, but I like it when they do. <laughs> That's right. That's just the way it is with this show. <laughs> There's really no way around it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I think this is the last one, and it's a bit long, but uh, we'll see if we can get through it. Uh, I'm getting pretty tired of the... Oh, sorry. It's Ryan in Wilmington. What is that? Delaware? D-E, Delaware. Thank, I'm not so good with the state abbreviations. I'm getting pretty tired of the detractors in the fan base continuing to rail on situations that we think aren't grounded in reality or think it far-fetched for a group such as seasoned and grizzled survivors to ever let their guard down. It's one of the easiest cop-outs as a fan to sit in a warm house with plentiful food and drink, having lost no one with no threats chasing you to po- uh, posit what it, what is... It, I'm sorry posit what acceptable or believe uh, believable actions are in a different world. Some of the qualms I've had so far about this, uh, about the half season, how could Tyrese get taken down by a child? Why didn't the group barricade the door of the barn? How could Sasha do that to the group are so easy to make from an omnipotent couch potato angle. <laughs> the reality is that none of us knows for certain what we would do uh, going days without water or sustenance, years without truly restful sleep, loved ones dying left and right and struggling with whether the life you have left is even worth saving anymore. I think the show is getting into some very heavy topics and are trying to drive home uh, what this new world is, not the one you know on the other side of the screen. Uh, we would all like to think that we'd, we'd act exactly as we plan out in our minds. The unfortunate truth is that we just have no clue. I'd love to think uh, that I'd be surviving in that world, but honestly, I have my doubts. Uh, it'd be nice for uh, the more jaded viewers to think about it through that lens. One thing I want to just correct there is that um, uh, Ryan said some of the qualms I've heard so far, not had. I didn't want to attribute those to him necessarily. Uh, I see. Uh, sorry, I don't. I apologize for correcting you constantly. This episode. Hey, no, no, it's all good. I, I, apparently, <laughs> I need a lot of editing today. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so Ryan's point is just that you know there's been a lot of complaining uh, about uh, about the show lately. I think going on the internet is. Um, that's just comes with the territory a little bit. There's so many people there and so many different opinions that you're going to get people who, you know, some people who take things way too seriously, some people who overthink things, some people who underthink things. And, um, you and I have probably been guilty of all of those things at one time or another. Not thinking at all. Exactly. Not thinking at all. Just completely shutting your brain off, which sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. Um, but I think Ryan makes a good point and I, sort of wanted to give him the last word here is that uh, sure we love this show sure we take it super seriously and we analyze it to crap but at the end of the day it's just a show and um, you know they're doing their best to give us the best show they can and frankly they do a pretty good job most of the time I think and uh, it really has nothing to do with um, the way you would handle things in the real world even though I have spent probably far too many hours in real life, thinking about what I would do, where I would go, how I would handle the zombie apocalypse. Really? When it inevitably happens. Really? Well, what's your plan? Well, I mean, I don't really have a, a firm plan. What I've come to realize is, like, I'm pretty sure I'm screwed. The main thing, my main problem is I have two small kids that I need to protect. And I think 
protecting two small kids in that universe or that world would be damn near impossible. So you'd turn into a family annihilator? Take them all out and take yourself out? Well, I, I can't bring myself to think things like that, but like think about being like on the road with children who are tired and hungry and grumpy and don't want to walk anymore. And, you know, it's, it's just yeah, not a good situation. That's what I would be like. Well, I, I was talking <laughs> about you. <laughs> yeah, you know, grumpy and I'm hungry. I'm tired. I want to sit down. Right. My thighs are rubbing together. They're all raw. I've walked too far. This kilometer and a half has just been unwieldy. <laughs> I can't walk more than a kilometer without my thighs rubbing together. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot to bring my sports lube with me, so my thighs are rubbing together and my nipples hurt. Man. I have no response to that. <laughs> well, they have, you know, they when you're Sports. runners, apparently their uh, your nipples get raw from the shirt rubbing against them. So you put on they make sports glide, which you put on your skin in order so that to, to prevent uh, chafing. How would you know? I watch TV. <laughs> you you definitely take the couch potato angle. Go watch Run Fat Boy Run again. They talk all about it. Really? That's a good movie. Yeah. I thought that movie was funny. It was a good movie, and that's where I learned about it. So <laughs> I learned it from Simon Pegg. All right. Well, I just wasn't expecting you to bring up sports lube. I'm sorry. That is that is one of the more unusual things you've you've brought up on this show. No, but, it isn't. Oh, come on. Sport, I think it might be. Um, anyways, now I just have this picture in my mind of you crouching on the side of the road, rubbing sports lube all over your inner thighs so you can keep going. Oh, God. Everyone look up a picture of Jason on the internet and think of that. <laughs> Dare you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So anyways, um, I don't know. Thank you, Ryan, for that. Excellent points. And uh, don't think, don't take things too seriously, folks. We're all here to have a good time. Right? Generally. Good time with our sports lube. Well, good time running from the... So you never really told me what your plan is other than uh, being annoyed at your kids for whining all the time. No, see, that's the problem. That's that's not how I would feel, but I, I feel that I can't really develop a good plan because my everything, my plan would have to revolve around keeping them safe. And like, sure, we could stay in our house, but that's that can only last for so long because you run out of food and everything and water and electricity and heat and... We live in stupid Canada where it's minus a thousand today, and like if this happened in the winter, we'd all die in like two hours because it's so cold. Okay. Do you have a wagon? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Problem solved. Take your kids, pile them in the wagon with a bunch of crap. Pull the wagon. <laughs> yeah. I. Do you have a Do you have a sled? A couple. There you go. That's how you get around in the winter. That's how people, you know, pack stuff uh, and go into the woods all the time. They put it on sleds. So put your kids on the sled, put a bunch of crap on another sled, and go for, and go walking. Yeah, but these are not sustainable plans. You can only walk for so long. You can only pull stuff on a sled for so long. And, uh, you know, the problem is finding some way to survive long term. And as, as an individual or maybe a pair of adults, maybe, but I'm sorry. When you have kids that are teenagers, well, younger than teenagers, I think you're you're shit out of luck. All right. I think well, that's it. Plan to be go get, go find a weapon and plan to become a family annihilator. Yeah, maybe that's what I'll do. That's yeah. that's depressing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> With that, on that note, we're going to end this podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in everybody and thanks for writing and calling in. 
Um, I guess that's it. We'll be back uh, on Monday when we are discussing the next episode, recapping it. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, give us a call on the toll-free line, 1-844-483-9662. You can let us know what you think by calling that number. Program, program it into your phone, and that way you'll always have it handy. You can just dial us right up. Uh, every day. Yeah, well, maybe not every day, but you know, every time uh, you have something intelligent and witty to say, which for some people, that's a lot. Yeah. And some people, be. that's like none at all. <laughs> yeah. uh, find, find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead and send emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to everyone uh, for visiting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. Visit that link to find out how you can help support the show. And of course, use our Amazon link when you do all your shopping at Amazon. Visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon and then click on the country of your choice for whichever store makes the most sense for you. There's a few options there. All right. Until next time, everybody. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.